Have you ever received an email or had uh, someone say something to you that brightened your day? It's a great feeling, isn't it? I got an email uh, like that uh, not long ago. It was from someone from our church, uh, one of the many teachers in our church. And she knew about today uh, being our Books for Kids Sunday and how uh, we are excited uh, to support uh, children's literacy for local kids in need. She emailed me pictures of her two second grade uh, reading classes with their first book, uh, Charlotte's Web. She said her students got the books and um, when, they, when they learned that the books were theirs to keep, their faces lit up with excitement and pride. She says they carry the books everywhere they go and she finds them reading any chance they get, and they love having books of their own. Uh, she gathered sponsors uh, using Facebook this summer and, and had all 50 students sponsored uh, within an hour, complete strangers to our community, uh, many from her hometown in New Jersey, along with friends uh, here in York County, were jumping at the opportunity to help kids they don't even know have books of their own. And she's received amazing parent feedback, expressing gratitude, excitement, and praise for the dedication of her sponsors. Stories like these inspired our church to start our Books for Kids initiative that we now do every fall. In the, in the words of the teacher who emailed me, this kind of work is, quote, life-changing for these kids life-changing, she said. And she and other teachers want to thank our church for contributing so other children can feel this joy. I want to thank you, too. I, I think it's refreshing to see kids with their faces in books rather than in front of screens. Does anybody else agree with that? As I mentioned last Sunday, reading is so important. It, 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 it contributes uh, to children's cognitive uh, development. It, it can just help with them developing socially as well, learning to empathize, learning to, to see from another point of view, to understand another person better. Reading uh, does all that and more, and it can set kids up for success in school and in life. And so along with any designated giving, our church will set aside a dollar for every person uh, attending any of our worship services today, and that money will also go to Books for Kids. Simply by coming uh, to worship with us today, you'll help put books in the hands of kids in need and encourage them to read at home and to grow through reading. Over the last uh, three weeks, we focused on how God is for us. God isn't against you. He, he cares about you. He knows you. He loves you. God tells us repeatedly in Scripture, in the Bible, that he is for us. Uh, God is for you. God is, is for others, too. And, and the mission we have as followers of Jesus is to live and share that good news in our world today. This is good news that we all need to hear. We should live in such a way that shows we are for 
others, not just living for ourselves, but living for God and for others. That's the way to be truly alive. Today we finish our God for Us series uh, by asking basically the, the so what question. God is for us, so, so what? So what does that mean about how we should live? In four words, here is what that means. Jesus is sending you. Jesus is sending you. In our scripture reading, it's the day Jesus rose from the dead. It's the first Easter. Jesus has conquered sin and death, and he has appeared to Mary Magdalene, one of his followers. She sees that he's alive. It's, it's not a ghost. It's Jesus, the one who had been brutally killed, now alive and standing right before her. Jesus tells Mary to go tell the others that he's alive and that soon uh, he'll ascend or, or, or go up into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so she goes to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. She tells them what Jesus has told her. Here's where our reading picks up. On the evening of that same day, the disciples are gathered together with the doors locked, and they're hiding in fear. They're afraid people will recognize them as followers of Jesus and that they will be the next to die. They're hiding behind locked doors because they're gripped by fear and anxiety. We can be a lot like the disciples in that way. We're often gripped by fear and anxiety. And that means not just having some fear and anxiety in our lives. We figure out how to deal with that on a regular basis, but sometimes we're actually gripped by it. Like the fear and the anxiety has a hold on us. And sometimes the struggle can be intense. Maybe so intense that we want to hide behind locked doors. Like the disciples on that first Easter night. The first step in working through our fear and anxiety is to name them. To name our fears. To name those sources, those causes of anxiety. In your bulletin, there's an, an insert uh, that says, Survey, Overcoming Our Anxiety and Fears. Would you please turn to it now? And I'd like each of you to have one of these forms. If you need a bulletin, please raise your hand and we'll see uh, that you get one. Um, Nelson, if you could, could come uh, and hand out an extra bulletin up front here. Or, and to any others, if you just raise your hand, please. If, if you need a bulletin, we'll be sure to see that you get one. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a few minutes to complete uh, this brief survey. Your answers will help shape an upcoming worship series about overcoming our fears and anxiety. In that series, we'll address common uh, fears and, and sources of anxiety. We'll consider practical steps for overcoming them. And then most of all, we'll, we'll look at the, the insight and the, and the truth that 
the scriptures provide, that God gives us, his promises about how we can learn to overcome our fears, to overcome our anxiety. And as you see on the form, it asks, what are three things that cause you fear and or anxiety? For example, loneliness, aging or death, family dynamics, finances, change, there could be others. There's no shortage of things we could, we could fill in those blanks with. And we don't need your name. This isn't about you revealing any personal or sensitive information along, along with your name. It's not that way at all. It's simply we would like uh, to seek input about fears and anxiety so we can address some of the most common forms of them in this worship series that will be right after Christmas. So please provide honest feedback. We want to speak to issues that relate uh, to your life and, and to help you overcome uh, fear and anxiety in your life and live with courage and hope. Take a few moments now and, and write down your answers on the form. When you're finished, you can fold your paper in half. That way the person sitting next to you won't see your answers. You know you kind of want to cover that up. Um, but seriously, then uh, later during worship, you can put uh, the slip of paper in the offering basket. You could return it at any point to the church office. And I want to thank you in advance for your input. Uh, your answers will help set the agenda for the topics we're, we're going to look at in this worship series starting uh, December 29th. And we hope you'll join us. Uh, for this series. In a world marked by fear and anxiety, in an age of anxiety, which is what our age is, we can learn to live with courage and hope. And that's what God wants for us. That's what God wants for each uh, and every one of us. The original disciples of Jesus were hiding behind locked doors in fear, but Jesus doesn't abandon them. This is so important for them and for us. Jesus comes to them and brings them his peace. He stands among them and says, peace be with you. And then he shows them 
his hands and side. The disciples are overjoyed when they see the Lord. And again, Jesus says, peace be with you. The word peace doesn't describe the absence of fear or difficulty. It refers to the presence of God. It's the presence of Jesus, God with us, that enables us to face our fears and live in the confidence of faith. In his mercy, Jesus calms the fears of his disciples. He tells them twice in, in a short period of time, peace be with you. That word peace is the normal Hebrew greeting. It's related uh, to uh, the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness, well-being, inner rest of spirit. It describes the ideal human state and what we all long for deep down. Jesus enters into the fear and anxiety that has the disciples hiding. He comes to them and says, peace be with you. This, this peace Jesus brings us is always personal, but never private. And that means it's always meant for us personally, but not just for us. Somehow in receiving this peace of Jesus, which is something we do not just once in our lives, but continually, in receiving the peace of Jesus, we are strengthened, we're encouraged, we're changed in some way, and then the greater purpose becomes we are a channel of that peace to those around us. So it's not meant to stop with us, but to work in us and then through us to a world that is weary, a world that is marked in many ways by a lack of peace, a lack of well-being, of wholeness, of rest of spirit, and Jesus says, peace, peace be with you. In a world of all kinds of unrest, Jesus brings us his peace, and so we can know that peace and share it with others. We can do that because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, and he sends you and me into the world as his representatives, on his behalf, in his name, as his people. Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Amazing words. Amazing words. Somehow we get the wrong idea at times and we think that, you know, the Christian life is, is totally passive, that we just come to church and we just sort of sit on our hands and then we go home and then we do whatever we want to do throughout the week and then we come again and then we sit on our hands. And that's not it at all. Jesus is saying this is actually a very active life. He's called us to because he's saying, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you, Jesus says. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus does the same for us. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of, of having someone breathe on you. Uh, it's, it's likely not something we'd see as positive like a, a, a breach of, of, of etiquette, you know, you're, you're, you're breathing on me, that's way too close, give me some space here. And yet, with Jesus, it's completely different. Uh, we, we, want, we want him to breathe 
on us, to breathe in us. He is closer to you than you are to yourself. The breath of Jesus gives us life. Jesus breathes on you and gives you the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for spirit means breath. This is the breath that causes a body to breathe. This is the breath that makes dead things come alive. This is the breath that renews our strength so that when we are weak and weary and and wondering if we can go on, it's the Spirit of God, the breath of God, that gives us new strength and new life. Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of His presence and His power. And he gives this gift to you and, and me. He sends us into the world in, in his name to offer the good news of his peace, his mercy, his forgiveness to others. Jesus is sending you. I've shared this story with some of you before. This time there's a twist. One day at the end of a long work week, uh, several businessmen were rushing to catch a flight home. They were running through the airport. If you've ever had to rush to catch a flight, you know how hectic it can be. And they had their laptops in bags slung over their shoulders. They were pulling larger bags uh, on wheels as they ran. And when, and when they were running, and that was what they were doing, not even walking, but running, the bags were just going back and forth and back and forth. And then they had to take a sharp turn around this corner and they ran past a fruit stand and one of the men accidentally hit a basket of apples with one of his bags and knocked the uh, the apples to the ground. The the men kept on running but they looked back and, and apologized to the young woman working at the fruit stand. We're so sorry, we're in a hurry, we've got to catch this flight or else we'd come back and help you. Sorry, sorry. And they, they kept running, but then as one of the men in the group thought about that young woman kneeling down and picking up the apples by herself, he felt a tug on his heart to go back and help her. And so he shouted to the, the, the rest of his buddies, you all go ahead, there's something, there's something I need to do, I'll, I'll see you at the office next week. And then he turned and went back to help that young woman. And as he approached the young woman, he apologized again. I, I'm, I'm so sorry, I was one of those idiots who, who knocked over the apples. Let me, let me help you pick them up. And then he noticed two things about that woman. She was crying and she was blind. The apples had been bruised and and probably wouldn't sell. The man said, you know, I I really like apples, and I'm hungry, so I'd like to buy all these apples from you. How much do they cost? Here's here's $40. Just just keep the change. And she she said to him, "I, I have a question for you. And then she paused for a moment, and she said, are you Jesus? And he was totally taken by surprise by her question. Am I, am I Jesus? No, no I'm, I'm definitely not Jesus. Jesus would never knock down your apples. Uh, I, 
I hope I can learn to be a little bit more like him. Why do you ask? And she said, as I was trying to gather up the apples down on my hands and knees, with the tears in my eyes, I, I cried out, Jesus, help me. And then you showed up. Jesus is sending his people. He is sending his people. And, and he works through you and me, flawed as we are. He works through you and me to share his love with others. Now, here's the twist to that story. My wife, Molly, has type 1 diabetes. Her body receives insulin through a pump, and she depends on, on that pump. A few weeks ago, she was at the, the gym when she realized her pump had stopped working. It, it wasn't clear when it had stopped, but by that point, she was not feeling well, and she ne knew she needed to stop what she was doing and go home immediately to try to figure out what was going on and, and how to make it right. And as she left the gym, she, she prayed silently, Jesus, please help me. And she looked and in was walking someone from our church into the doors of the gym at that very moment. Actually, it was one of the nurses from our church. And she could see that something was wrong. And so she, she asked Molly, what is it? What can I do? And, and she was able to help Molly right then and there. And, and later, this woman emailed me to, to, just to check to see how, how Molly was doing all these hours later and said, you know, I hope she's okay. And, and thankfully, by that point, uh, she was doing much better. But Molly told me hours later, she said, seeing, seeing her at that exact moment, after I had just prayed, Lord, please help. She said, I knew, I knew she was an answer to that prayer. This is how Jesus works. He sends his people. He works through you and me. It's amazing. It's amazing. We might think we're just doing something ordinary, going to the gym, checking on a friend, whatever. And then somehow the Lord turns that into something extraordinary, something more. Be open to how God wants to work through you this week. This is the difference between simply going to church and actually being the church. Do, do you grasp that difference? And sometimes in our language, we need to remind ourselves because so often we'll, oh, I'm going to church as if church is just a place. And what we do here is absolutely essential, so don't get me wrong. But this is, this is a place of encounter with Jesus. This is a place of transformation. This is a place of healing. This is a place of power. And then this is also a place of sending forth. And there's a huge difference between going to church, simply going to church, and actually being the church. And Jesus, looking at his church today, 
He doesn't just want people to go to church and then to leave as if nothing has changed. He wants his people in a new way, I believe, in a compelling way, in a way that shows beauty and power to be the church, to be the church. Jesus is sending you. There are three possible ways for you to respond. One is to say, why would Jesus send me? I'm a nobody. Have you ever thought that? I've certainly thought that before about myself. Well, consider this. The original disciples were nobodies. <laughs> Ordinary people, humble laborers. By worldly standards, they were unimpressive. There was nothing special about them. Yet, God used those ordinary people to change the world forever through the most powerful message in history. And the power isn't in the messenger. The power is in the message. The transformative power of God in you is enough. Your life has a purpose. Your story is important. Your voice matters. You were born to make an impact. Jesus calls you to be one of his messengers, to know his peace and forgiveness, and to offer that hope to those around you in your words, in your actions, in who you are. Jesus is sending you. A second possible response is that you could say, I don't know what to do or say. At times I've thought that, too. Jesus actually anticipates that response. He tells his original followers that, that they will suffer for the gospel. They will be arrested and flogged, a particularly brutal form of, of, of punishment, of, of physical beating. They will be arrested and flogged on account of Jesus. And Jesus tells them this. When you are brought before rulers or authorities, don't worry about what you will say or how you will say it. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's always the right thing to do. Following Jesus means simply trusting in him. You don't have to know what to do or say. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will guide you. There's a third possible way for you to respond to the fact that Jesus is sending you. And that is to go. That is to trust and obey. And as you do, you'll learn again and again, as I'm still learning, that loving God and loving others is the way to true and lasting joy. And you'll find great joy in living that kind of life, too. In our nation, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. Jesus comes to bring us his peace. There is peace. There is forgiveness. There is hope for everyone. Everyone in Jesus if you're not a disciple of Jesus, he's reaching out to you right now to believe in him. 
and to follow him, you can know his peace, his forgiveness, his amazing love. If you already believe in Jesus and follow him, he's sending you to play your part in his mission today. Jesus is sending you to share his peace, his forgiveness, his hope with others and with our world that desperately needs this good news. Jesus is sending you. How will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us your peace in Jesus Christ. We desperately need it each day. Breathe your Holy Spirit upon us in a fresh and powerful way. Send us, Lord, wherever you want us to go and to do whatever you call us to do. We are yours. We trust in you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your promises. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. And as he taught us now, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven.